we're not doing 2 Thessalonians today. And you might say, now pastor, you've obviously missed something. There's still a whole third chapter in 2 Thessalonians. I know. We'll get back to it, I promise. This was not what I had originally planned on preaching on today. When I first said, we're going to go through 2 Thessalonians. But, I got to listen to what the Holy Spirit says to do. I know that most of you in here are on Facebook. I know that because I'm friends with you there. So you can't hide it from me. Being as such, I also know what you guys post. Again, you can't hide it from me. No, this is not going to be a sermon about what one of you posted on Facebook. But it is going to be about some stuff that I have seen posted on Twitter, which I am on, on Facebook, which I am on, and on Instagram and such, which I am on. As a pastor, let me start somewhere else, actually. As Sam Brush, I have a tendency to become very, I'm going to use the word passionate because that sounds good, about things. You can ask poor Maddie as she has to sit in the car and listen to me spout off about something. And most of the time she just sits there on her phone and goes, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's nice. The other day I sent her a message about something and I said, I'm sorry you have to hear this, but I'm not allowed to say it to anybody else. She goes, no, I'd rather you say it to me. So I understand that I have a tendency to take things a little further than perhaps the average person does. I'm okay with that. That's part of who I am and I'm never going to apologize for it unless I go too far on something, which I have done in the past. As a pastor... I'm going to start somewhere else again. As a Christian, don't worry, I think pastor's going to be next. As a Christian, I and you should be very in tune with what people say about the Bible, about Christ, and about Christian living. If there's anything in this world you should be passionate about, it's not sports, which I am. It's not music, which I am. It's not Marvel and DC Comics, you know, nerdy stuff, which I am. It should be about Christ, which I am. I'll apologize for taking a sports take too far. I'll apologize for taking a movie take too far. I will never apologize for taking a Christian take too far because you can't take it too far. Jesus took it as far as it goes and he went to the cross. So if you somehow surpass that, you come and let me know. Because we have to have a conversation because you didn't surpass it. And you probably have a problem with pride. Now, as a pastor, and I mentioned this last week, I feel I have a duty and a responsibility to speak out about things that I view the Bible says is wrong or things that people take and twist the Bible to say. I have a platform to speak from, so I'd better speak. It's the same thing. I'm I'm sure most of you have heard, oh, LeBron James, just go dribble your basketball. We don't care what you have to say. No, he has an opinion. He has a platform. He should share his opinion. It doesn't mean his opinion means any more than yours or mine, though. But I have a platform to speak from. And as such, I better speak. Because this platform can be very easily taken away from me. Not by you guys. 
by him. He gave it to me, and he can take it away. So when I feel the Spirit saying, listen, you've got to speak up, I better do it. So over the past week to week and a half, I have seen three different uh, uh, narratives about the Bible and about Christ as it pertains to the riots and the protests and Black Lives Matters and all that kind of stuff. Now again, just like last week, I'm not going to tell you what you should think about any of that stuff. That's not my job. My job, though, is to present truth from the Word of God. Today we're going to talk about one of them. I don't think we're going to have a whole sermon about the other two. I'm going to tell you the three that I've seen. But there was only one that when I read it, I felt the Spirit go, speak up. And my first thought was, oh, well, I better comment back on this person's post. And the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not speaking up. You have a bigger platform. Speak up. So the three that I've seen, I'll tell you the first two that we're not going to really, really spend a lot of time on. The first one pertains to the 99 sheep versus the one sheep. We know this story, right? Jesus is talking and he says, listen, won't the shepherd leave the 99 safe hand in sheep to go after the one that has gone astray? The answer, of course, is yes, he would. And I have seen this narrative twisted to say, listen, yes, all lives matter. But they're not the ones that are in trouble right now. Black lives are. So don't say all lives matter. Say black lives matter. I'm here to tell you. Black lives matter. I'm not going to say black lives matter. But that's not what this thing is saying. What that is saying is Christ says, listen, you're saved. I don't, you don't, you need me, but you don't need my salvation right now. You have it. That person over there doesn't. So I'm going to go save them. It's about the soul. Not about a skin color, not about any ethnicity, none of that. It's about a soul. And to make it anything different would be to cheapen it. The second thing that I have seen has to do with actually the protests and such, and it has to do with Jesus in the temple. Right? This is one of my favorite answers. Whenever somebody will go, well, what would Jesus do? My immediate response is make a whip and flip tables. He only did it one time. But it's there. We don't talk about the other times when he was like, you know, turn the other cheek and stuff like that. No, no, no. Make a whip and flip tables. I want to, hold on real quick. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to. I was watching a documentary, and they brought up this, this, and I was like, I've never thought about it that way before. Do you know how long it takes to make a whip? This wasn't just one simple piece of leather. He made a whip. It could take up to a couple of days. Most of the time it takes hours. It could take up to a couple of days. So just imagine the picture. Jesus, 12 disciples, and Jesus is just sitting on the ground muttering to himself, I'm going to make a whip. And here's the 12 going, crap. Which one's getting that? Peter, did you say something? wasn't me this time. Just think about that, right? We don't think about that sort of stuff. This wasn't Jesus was like, I'm going to grab this piece of leather. No, it took a little bit of time. But here's the thing. People have used that to say, well, Jesus went and asked them to stop and they didn't. So then he went and rioted. Bull. Jesus looked at the temple, 
said, these people, why did he flip the tables? Why was he so upset at the money changers? Because the temple was a place of worship. The temple was a place where people could go. Remember, Jesus hasn't died yet. So to get forgiveness of sins, you have to sacrifice something on the altar. It happened at the temple. This was not a place of money. This was not a place of that. And what was happening was in the temple courtyard, these people were selling doves and such at exorbitantly high prices, taking advantage of common people who just wanted forgiveness of sins. And that, as it should, ticked Jesus off. That's when he went and flipped tables. He didn't ask them politely to leave, and they said no. It wasn't about, oh, no, it was, you've missed the point. This is my father's house. There's something way more important. Again, there's something way more important going on here than your little money. Now the third one, and the one that I felt the Spirit saying, you have to talk about this. Why did Jesus die? It's not a rhetorical question. Why did Jesus die? It's not a rhetorical question, so we need an answer. Why did Jesus die? To save us. To save our souls, exactly. Did he die for a political reason? No. He died for a soul. He died for millions. He died for billions. He died for trillions of souls. And he rose again three days later for trillions of souls. And the post said this. Jesus would have protested. And if you don't think so, look at why he was killed. He was killed for political reasons. And I read that. And my first response was a white hot anger in my chest. Because to say that Jesus died for anything less than a soul is to cheapen that beyond anything. And then following the anger was sadness because these people are so deceived. I'm going to read a fairly long passage of scripture today. John 18 starting in verse 38 and going through John 19 verse 16. It's going to be up there for those of you that are here. It's long. Strap in. But I wanted to read this passage because this is Jesus before Pilate. Yes, this does not say, Jesus does not say I came to die for the sins of the world in this passage. But I wanted to talk, I wanted to read and show what happened in the hours or so preceding his death. What happened primarily with the governmental authority of the time to point something out. Jesus did not die for your petty politics. He did not die for your protest. He did not die for your riots. He did not die for you to go out and do things. He died so that you could go to heaven. And that's way more important. Let's read it. John 18, I'm starting in verse 38. It reads, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. We read in some other places, I want to take a pause real quick here. We read in some other places that he was a bit more than a robber. Barabbas was a horrible man. He'd killed, he'd stole, 
And they said, give us Barabbas. Now we're in chapter 19, verse 1. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged or whipped him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews! And to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. That's the second time he said that. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man! So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. That's the third time that's been said. Verse 7 now. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by that law we ought, he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you, and I have the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was that, it, excuse me, verse 14. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king! So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he then handed him over to them to be crucified. We read this passage, and doesn't it sound pretty political? Yeah, it sure does. And I'm not here to tell you that Pilate wasn't watching out for his own backside. He was. But notice what's actually going on here. Let me paint the picture for you. Outside the Roman palace in Judea, where Pilate is, and of course Pilate is the Roman uh, ruler over Judea, Israel, and the, and the surrounding area. He has the authority in that area. Not the chief priests, not that. Now, again, this is where understanding history comes into play. In the Roman world, you were mostly allowed to continue worshiping who, whatever God you worshiped beforehand. One of the reasons that the Roman government or the Roman Empire came so great was because they didn't say, you must assimilate into us. They said, we will take the good things from you, assimilate it into our overarching narrative, but you want to keep worshiping, go ahead. Keep worshiping that, that, that God. We're going to set up our own stuff as well, but keep worshiping. So that's why the Jews are allowed to continue to worship. That's why you still have chief priests and stuff like that. But there was this, this power struggle that goes on between the priests in the Jewish world and the Roman government. The Jews don't want to be ruled. In fact, most of the Jews thought that when the Messiah came... He was going to deliver them right then and there from whatever oppressive government was over them. They thought Jesus was going to be a warrior king. He will be. It's coming. 
about seven years from the moment that you're in, each time, seven years from now, and now, and now. But that wasn't Jesus' point then. He claims to be God. Of course, he is God. And what happens is, what the insightful thing is, is when they, sass, when they, when they ask him, are you God, what is his answer? I am. He says, I am. Why is that such a big deal? Yahweh means I am the I am. Jesus wasn't just saying, yes, you have it right. He literally said, that's my name. So he does claim to be God. The Jews, though, can't kill him. They have, they, 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 they're not allowed to. So they go to Pilate, and there's this mob, or may I use the word riot, outside his doors. And he questions Jesus, and Jesus doesn't answer him, and he goes, all right. So he brings him out, and he goes, guys, maybe he's crazy, but he's not guilty of breaking any law. He's, he's fine. He's, he's, he's innocent. And I think the first time that Pilate realizes what's actually happening is when they say, give us Barabbas. That something greater is going on than just, oh, we're mad at this guy. You see, I'm going to say this. A lot of the people that are involved in these riots, I'm not saying the protests, there's a difference. In these riots are just passion. They don't care. And they would say, give us Barabbas. So Pilate goes, all right, fine, fine, fine. You want him hurt. I'll whip him. I'll scourge him. We talked about it in that scourge, right? It's the cat of nine tails, which is a whip that has nine separate endings that had glass. Some of them were just hard leather, but glass, rocks, uh, nails, all that kind of stuff. It tore apart the back. Its job was to mutilate. It was not to teach a lesson. Its job was to mutilate the person with whom it was being used on. And he allows his, his soldiers to create a crown of thorns and shove it down on his head and dress him in purple. Why purple? Because that was the color of royalty back then. And he parades him back out and he says, look what I've done to him. Isn't this enough for you? I've done more than what he deserves. Isn't this enough for you? And they say, no, crucify him. Now we read in Matthew, in the same account, that the Pharisees are interspersed throughout the crowd. And they're the ones that start the chant. And everybody else just kind of picks it up. It reminds me of a commercial that's on TV right now for a phone company. I think it's T-Mobile. It's for Safe Auto. It's for an insurance company. Sorry. They're all the same. And it starts out and everybody's like, yeah, we want this and this and oh, and then there's riots in the streets and protests and we cut to two people standing next to each other and they're covered in paint and this and that and the one guy goes, why are we here? And the other guy goes, I don't know, I think it has to do with insurance. That's what's happening here. Oh, look, a protest, a riot, I better join. Why are we here? I don't know, crucify him. Yeah, crucify him. So Pilate takes him back inside because he's, he can't, he, he's losing this battle and he questions him again. And this time, Jesus gives him an answer that terrifies Pilate. Why? Because people that are in power will do anything to remain in power. And he throws his authority in Jesus' face and says, Don't you know I could kill you or set you free? And Jesus goes, Yeah, but 
you wouldn't have that authority if it wasn't given to you from above. Not from the Roman emperor, given to you from above, which terrifies Pilate. We also read in the account in Matthew that Pilate's wife comes to him and says, listen, let him go. I had a dream last night. Let him go. And Pilate still doesn't do it. We read in the account in Matthew that at one point, right, when he turns Jesus over, he washes his hands of it. He says, listen, he's innocent. So whatever happens to this man, not my fault. Of course, it's Pilate's fault, partially. And then they bring him out. And they say, right, we have no king but Caesar. Need I remind you, the Jews hated Caesar. They would take any king over Caesar. But that doesn't fit their narrative right now. And then Pilate hands him over to be crucified. He goes, all right, fine, do it. Take him, out, take him up to Golgotha, crucify him. Man, that sounds really political. And I'm not going to lie to you and say there aren't politics woven throughout that. From the Pharisees to the chief priests to Pilate, they're, they're all, it's all in there, it is. But then I ask you this question. Why did Jesus remain silent? Why didn't Jesus defend himself? Why was Jesus willing to be crucified? It wasn't to make a political statement. It wasn't to show the Jews, well, look at what the Romans do. Look at this oppressive government. We need to topple it. Nope. He died for Barabbas. He died for you. You're Barabbas. Sorry. He died for me. I'm Barabbas. Sorry. Read throughout the rest of the New Testament. What's the most popular verse in Scripture? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting, depending on which translation you use, life. Wait, right, we read in Isaiah that he was killed for my iniquities. He was pressed and crushed for me. It pleased God to kill him. For me, it didn't please God to show, well, I'm the authority here. It pleased God because he knew then that I could come to him. To say that Jesus died for any other reason than a soul is to cheapen everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, to take this book and just throw it away. To say that Jesus died for anything else. And I will not stand by and allow that to be said. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you profess Christ, if you don't, fine, you don't, you don't have to stand by this, if you don't profess Christ, but if you say, Christ died for me, I accepted him, then you better stand for it. And never allow somebody to say he died for anything less. You are God's most precious creation. Not government, not plants, not animals, not the earth, not the solar system, nothing. You are God's most precious creation, and he died for you. Now this morning you might say, Pastor, you seem a little bit insensitive. You don't have the right, you're a bit tone deaf to what's going on right now. Maybe you're right. I'll be tone deaf for Jesus any day though. I'm not going to comment on somebody's Facebook post because you know what that's going to do? It's just going to incite anger. And while I enjoy that, it's not the right thing to do. But I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor, and I have a platform. Stand up for what the Bible says. It's being twisted, being taken out of its context. It's being warped. It's being thrown all around to try to support things. 
I'm not here to tell you whether or not Jesus, you know what? I am here to tell you. Jesus would not have marched in Minneapolis. Why? Because Jesus would have been in a jail cell talking to Derek Chauvin because he cared about his soul. That's what I'm here to tell you. And to make Jesus out to be anything else is to cheapen him. You know what? He also would have been on the streets afterward with each rioter as they broke through windows going, listen, no, come on. Let me tell you about love, about truth, about Let me tell you. Let me tell you about me. He would have been at the protests in Philly and Atlanta and everywhere, but not to protest. He would have been there because he cared about the souls of each and every person. I'll stand on that. God, I don't put God in very many boxes. I'll put him in that one because he put himself there and I'll stand high on it. You might not like it. Church, we may have lost some of our viewers this morning. I'm okay with it because I stand on what the Bible says and the Bible says Christ died for me and you and nothing else. And there's no greater reason that he could have died than that. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, we recognize what's going on in our country right now, and I'm not here to say our protests and, and riots right or wrong, but I am here to say, Father, help me, help us to recognize what Jesus would be doing right now, and it would be sharing the gospel. It would be sharing the truth about him. What Peter and Paul and every other New Testament saint would be doing, help me to be like them, because I'm not. Help me when I see the news of riots in the streets not to go, well, those stupid rioters, but to go, man, do they need Jesus. God, help me to be the one that shows them Jesus. I mean, it's not me. Give them somebody else. And help me, Father, never to cheapen the gospel. Help me, Father, never to say that Jesus died for anything different than the souls of humanity. Father, help me to speak out against racial injustice, against social injustice, but God, most, most, most importantly, against biblical injustice, if I can call it that, and to stand firm no matter what storms come our way, no matter how many people get mad, no matter how many people leave, no matter what, but to stand firm to say, I stand with Christ. I don't stand with Republicans. I don't stand with Democrats. I don't stand with Black Lives Matter. I don't stand with All Lives Matter. I stand with Christ. Father, we love you. It's in the name of your son that we pray, amen and amen.